Ready, go. It is going. Oh, my God. Here we are. Mm-hmm. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Flavored Water Packets. Do you not really like the taste of regular water? Does your water taste, quote unquote, weird when it comes out of your faucet? If so, <laughs> dump a flavored water packet in it and it'll taste like heaven. You can get any kind. The Kroger kind's pretty solid. Amanda's been rolling hard with the true lemon. Because there's zero calories. They all have zero calories. Yeah. No, they don't. The Kroger brand has five or ten. Does it? I yeah. think it's zero. It's. What's your favorite? Why are you asking? Like, no why? Idea. You're not prepping. The five calories doesn't. Well, you go through. You have so many of them that it probably does add up. Yeah. Uncle Listen, Matt, if you Uncle had Matt, to drink yeah. as much water as I do, thousand I, I gallons do drink of water like as much day. water as you do. Uh, What's your favorite flavor right now? We'll go. We'll do a little around the horn. Favorite flavor, flavored water packets. Give, go ahead and give the people a brand too when you throw out that favorite flavor. Uh, so I like the true lemon. That's I don't know something dragon fruit. Ooh, how exotic! Yeah, it's like we're in uh, the Caribbean or something. Sure, maybe. You need, don't we need passports for that? Uh, I don't know. Do we? I don't know. All right, dragon fruit, huh? Yeah, it's Ooh. something. It may just be dragon fruit, I, but I feel like there's, it's something dragon fruit. It's like we're at a luau and there's like we slaughtered a hog and it's like <laughs> roasting on a spit. You know what I mean? Maybe dragon fruit. Maybe I'm drinking from a coconut. You don't know if you're coming or going. You know what I mean? Uh, no, I no. Giant eagle, pink lemonade. Oh, so easy. I like I like easy bro, easy bro. Mm-hmm. I, I would say also easy bro for me uh, is the Kroger brand refresh because there's energy, vitamin which doesn't really have that much in terms of vitamins in it, but I guess better than none. And then refresh, uh, and so the refresh kind there's a like a pink lemonade or a strawberry raspberry lemonade. There you mm. go. I've hit that one before. Unbelievable. That one's good. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, that's a, that was your pick. You got yeah. it. Uh, the energy ones are good too. If you're dragging, sometimes you're you're out on the floor dancing for dollars, doing a little bit of coaching, and you're dragging. <laughs> you have a an energy packet that just perks you right up, and you're flying. Is that what you put in your water thing here? No, just that's just creatine and uh, one of the true lemon ones. Oh, did, have you ever the, the energy true lemon one? No, normal. Oh. Okay. Nothing, have, nothing but dreams. Have you ever done just water and creatine? No. Why oh, would I do that? Raw dog it with water yeah. and creatine. Sometimes, Horrible. Because sometimes <laughs> you just get into like just situational. You got to do it. No. Have you ever you, dry scooped a creatine? I have. Yeah. <laughs> tell <laughs> again. Situational. Tell us what that was like. Well, I'd never. I've never dry scooped anything before that, so it was like I didn't entirely know. Like it wasn't. My first experience dry scooping was poor because it's unflavored creatine, which tastes kind of like if you licked like the bottom of like a, a wood table. Like it just <laughs> it tastes terrible. It tastes like splinters. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, it was f- powdery. Uh huh. Yeah, and, and then so you just got it, and then it kind of leaves like a an aftertaste. So it's one of those things where it's like really. I mean, you're. 
I'm serious about my fitness, so I didn't want to miss a day, but I still just had to. It was just had to do it. Yeah. So did you like? Were you the dry scooper that you did the scoop and then water, or did you yeah. do water and then scoop? No, I would drown. So I did the <laughs> scoop and then water. <laughs> oh boy! Okay. What's your favorite uh, supplement to have to consume? Right, like the one that you look forward to. In terms of flavor know. and what it is. yeah, I I, I, It comes immediately to my mind, and I know you're going to be like, well, uh, so I like this, but this. So we'll go you, me, Amanda. We'll give her a second, because she's giving me the face where she's not quite sure. Uh, <laughs> so we'll have you go first, and then I'll go, and then that'll give her time. So um, favorite thing to have? Core Nutritionals Pump, um, either Watermelon Lemonade, which I had been running for a while, or new one sangria flavor. Oh my god, and that one is unbelievable. Like at a party where we never <laughs> want to leave. Yeah. So favorite because it tastes great. Like I could drink it all day. Sangria then, flavor. Oh my goodness. Then, um, you get you get the tingles. You get the pump tingles, um, and then you have a great pump. So it's not just the flavor, but like the result. It as lives well. up to its name. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I would say, uh, I've, so it's like one and one A. So on Mondays, I do a little raw nutrition uh, EAAs, and I like all the flavors. So that's like a little treat. We've only had two of them. We uh, haven't well, had there's the There's only five one. flavors. Yeah, I like there's both. one more. I'm sure I'll like it when we get it. Really like it. So we have gotten, what is it, pe- peach rings and watermelon? No? Oh, boy. No, no. You're mixing products there. We, we went totally different. So it's watermelon or pineapple. Oh, my God. Yeah, and both are really good. Yeah, the peach rings, that was uh, the pump product, I believe. Ah, okay. So, yeah, uh, Monday mornings, Ryan, I do cardio first. So we go and do that. And by the t- So it's uh, probably it's like two and a half hours from when I wake up to when I actually eat my first meal. And so that's not a good idea in terms of like putting on muscle or uh, not losing muscle. So you can mitigate that by taking EAAs. Um, so that's like a fun little treat. So that's 1A. Number one, which I have every day, every night, is casein protein pudding. I look forward to it every night. Now some people don't like it. I'm not sure what there's not to like. It's like chocolate pudding. And it makes your muscles bigger when you're sleeping. So if you're not familiar with casein protein, Super slow digesting, especially when you consume it with a little bit of uh, fat. Um, so I make it's it's super super thick. It's not super conducive to having a uh, in a shake. Um, so it works really well if you make it into pudding. I quite like that chocolate peanut butter, tremendous. Everybody's a winner with that. You're welcome. Yeah, that was you. Yeah, you came <laughs> up with that. So, you're you're good welcome. Job. So many things. All right, what is your favorite? Ready, set, go. I, uh, it's so hard. I don't know. Um, I, when I was doing casein pudding at night, a sense chocolate peanut butter is like bar none. I don't know that I've had another casein that I like better than that. Um, I don't know. So I, uh, there's so many, there's so many. That's the problem as I've had. A lot of different supplements from a lot of different companies. Um, what? Oh, some there legal, was an, some illegal. <laughs> well, listen, then they're all, all legal. Trying Thank to you. win. 
not not taking any special sports supplements there, gentlemen. Thanks. Um, the abolic, there was the, abolic pills. The Axe and Sledge, the Farm Fed Whey. Oh, but what was the flavor that we was had? It glazed was glazed donut. No, it was. I think it was their cookies and cream. You like that? That was really good. I really like that. Um, that was delicious. They also have, I think, like a straw or a chocolate milkshake and a vanilla milkshake, which were both very good too. All right, so now around the horn, least favorite supplement you've ever taken? Ooh. Uh, probably the GNC protein that we used to get, the strawberry flavor. Oh, the Pro Performance. Their yeah, the strawberry friend. flavor. I didn't like that very much. I didn't mind it. Like it was just, it just like I, it was like fine once, but then repetitive. It was just a little, a little much. Remember when we got that? Uh, it was like PES or something ES. Yes. The Snickerdoodle. Snickerdoodle. Oh my god. Changing. Yeah, we need to get back into that. I don't consume a lot of whey protein shakes now, but I might start just so I can have one of those. Uh, all right, so you're saying pro performance strawberry? Yeah, it was just too like. <clears throat> Because you're, you're getting, like, 40 shakes out of it, and that's too... It's, yeah, we got, got a big a little, bag. Yeah, it's, you get a little old. So I ordered one time, I only did it once, from Bulk Supplements Straight Leucine. So the reason you would take EAAs, one of the essential amino acids, is leucine. And so you can read up on it if you want, but basically leucine is, is potentially arguably the most important of the EAAs, the essential amino acids. So the idea would be if you just take that... Um, it would it would put you in a position where you're anabolic. The problem is with straight leucine is it tastes like death. It <laughs> is so bad. It tastes like grind, ground up bones. It oh. is horrible. And no matter what you mix it with, you can't, that's all you taste. So I could not do it. What did you mix it with? I tried it so many different things. I tried to mix it with everything. In a protein shake... Nope. I try to do it with like various forms of like flavored water packets. Nope. 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 One was worse than the other. Oh. I just gave up. I think ultimately I just threw it away because it's like I got it, whatever, uh, 200. Luckily it was like a small bag. It was like a 250 gram bag because you only take three grams at a time. Um, and it was ghastly. So yeah, don't ever buy straight leucine, just buy EAAs if you're trying to do that. Or just eat animal protein and you'll be fine with leucine. Horrible. It's not bulk, bulk supplements' fault. They make great products. Uh, just don't get that. Interesting. I don't, I don't know that I've ever ordered something that I didn't like or tried a supplement that I didn't like uh, in terms of like flavoring or whatever its intended purpose is. I've never had that kind of reaction to something. Well, you're lucky. Yeah. There's been ones you don't like, though. You just say you don't like the flavor of certain ones. Yeah. The, whatever, the cookies and cream one. The cookies and cream casein you didn't like. Yeah, but whatever, what it was, that brand. Optimum Nutrition. Yeah. That yeah, was, yeah, but you like the other one. That one, yeah, but that one, like, it smelled gross oh but it tasted good no no it didn't it did not see i could care less like as long i just can't taste like ground up bones like i don't (laughs) people are like i don't really like this one well it's a supplement like it's not dessert eat it you know what i mean like but like otherwise 
just eat it like an animal. You know, what I, like whatever. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it tastes. It kind of tastes like strawberries. It kind of tastes like chocolate. Cool, because it could taste like garbage. So that's better than anything else. Just jam it into your mouth. Move on. That's like people like with protein bars. Like people get mad that it doesn't actually. It's not identical to real chocolate chip cookie dough. And it's like it's a protein. Of course, bar. it's not yeah. going to be like as long as it's semi palatable. It's Fine. You know what I think is an interesting little hypothesis that I think has some like scientific backing is we don't consume a lot of sugar um, in that form. We don't consume a lot of sweets. Right. Uh, you almost none, and Ryan and I not not super often, like fairly rarely. So I think actually our tolerance to that stuff is uh, much lower than someone who consumes those things fairly often. Yeah. Where so the the wind up is maybe we're just like hard fat kids so we like anything that kind of tastes like that (laughs) maybe Uh, but I think the wind up is is then uh, things that are sort of of that of that way like protein bars and things like that or even supplements that are meant to taste sort of vaguely dessert ish to us like we really like them because you're um, you're sort of desensitized to it where if you're you're like the queen of cheesecake. The real stuff, you know what I mean. And you go to have some supplements, and you they don't they don't obviously taste just like that. Remember the cake bites? Yeah, unbelievable. I'm sure, those are still out there somewhere. Oh yeah, the quest the, the quest makes peanut some butter good cups. Yeah, or the candy things. The, yeah, those cookies. those don't even those aren't even like you don't even have to pretend with the candies. Yeah, the quest yeah. Like, little like, candy bars. They actually taste. They yeah. made. they're amazing. Yeah, cookies are good. Amazing. Oh, I forgot Quest made cookies. We need to get back into those. I might order a box. Uh, then you better eat it all within like the next three weeks. Uh, yeah, I know. If I eat one a day, easily three weeks. Okay. Yeah, and three weeks. It, we're not. It's not like we're never gonna mass again. Well, yeah. Especially, but yeah, but it's three weeks and then three more weeks of still having a pretty good time because you're on maintenance, chilling before you take it down. Oh, boy. I love that this timeline just keeps getting longer. I have to resensitize, bruv. What do you want me to do? I don't want to answer that on air. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... Okay. All right. (laughs) Let's move on. What is our actual topic of the day? (laughs) Uh, So our topic of the day is we thought it'd be fun to recap our experience at the Arnold Classic. So this was... This Arnold Classic... Uh, was unique from ones previously um, because there was only the bodybuilding show. So in previous years, other than last year, other than in 2020, there's a huge expo with like half a million people end up going through and it's absolutely ginormous. There's like 50 different events that happen on-site and off-site with a bunch of different sports, almost to the point where it's like too much stuff. Like there's some obscure things there where it's like questionable of whether. But there's they but be that's there. I think that's the exciting part and it's it's more like over a hundred different events that happen over the course of the three day weekend. Um, so it is it is really cool just to kind of see all different kind of fitness, right? Like everything from gymnastics. In uh, rowing to CrossFit, Olympic lifting, powerlifting, strongman. But then they they have like basket weaving or whatever. Basket weaving. Yeah, they have stuff There's like someone's gonna like get that. so mad at me for this, but like they have like chess, but that's not a sport. 
You're right. It's that's not. a game. It's absolutely not. Like, it's a game. But they have events like that. Like, you know what I mean? Well, so I cool mean, there, of course, there's going to be things that we're not interested in that are there. Just like there's other people that like yeah. are going to now no. they know that this is our topic for today that are going to shut this podcast off they're because they don't their, they don't gonna, care. They're going to throw their phone out the window. Maybe, but I'm just saying that like you're you can't make it sound like it's all like it's like the Olympics like. There's, but there's, there's sports some... in the Olympics that we all agree that we don't want to watch and could care less if they left the Olympics. So it's the same sort of thing. There isn't chess in the Olympics, though. Yeah, probably. Give it another it's time. It's on list, yeah. Maybe, so, maybe Winter Olympics. That'll be on. Uh, but it, the reality is, is within the sports of bodybuilding, strongman, weightlifting, and powerlifting, the Arnold is uh, either... One of like the second biggest event of the year, or a big event in the year. So for strongman and bodybuilding, it is quite literally the second biggest event in the sport. Yes, um, we've all participated at different points in the CrossFit competition, which is not a, a big deal. It's just like a basically a local competition. Um, but there's a lot of stuff going on. So this year was very different because it was the only the bodybuilding show which we went to. And so you may, you the listener may not be interested at all in competitive bodybuilding, and that's perfectly fine. It's a niche sport, um, and we're aware of that. We are interested in it, but because we're interested, some of the things that you see, one can apply, generally I think, to life and to training and pursuing a better version of yourself. Because one of the things about that sport is that it's extremely difficult. It's equal parts sort of sport and pageant. Um, and so we're going to just talk a little bit about it and kind of give our thoughts. Hopefully you have some hopeful takeaways and we'll probably say funny stuff. I'm going to try. In, <laughs> You'll try. In, in the rest of this. So You'll try without trying though. Yeah. No, I just <laughs> off the cuff. Yep. So what was your favorite moment, Amanda, of the Arnold? Like the favorite, your favorite part, and then we'll start to break it down. Well, why don't we first start? So it wasn't even like a full bodybuilding show. Yeah, there was right? only so four there was divisions. only four actual uh, classes that competed: um, bikini, fitness, classic physique, and men's open bodybuilding. So to clarify that, bikini and fitness are women's divisions. So it was two and two. Uh, when you say fitness, it's not clear like what that what exactly that is. So bikini is. Uh, maybe the most entry level of of the female divisions in physique sport. And then fitness is like an amalgam of posing, so uh, physique-based, and then quite literally like f- performing, fitness-based. And so it's a lot of calisthenics and gymnastics and uh, tumbling, things like that. And then obviously the men's divisions are straight-to-the-face bodybuilding. Just to clarify, if you're not familiar. I thought you were telling us your favorite part. Why are you going to me? Sure, sure. I, I, I suppose since that's where we're going. I mean, I have my favorite parts ready go if ahead. you need me to go. Go I ahead. Know you need, Do you want to go last? Second, you probably need a second to think. Go ahead. Um, so I have two kind of equal parts. One, um, Logan Franklin's individual routine, routine, obviously. If you don't know who Logan Franklin is, get your Instagram fired up and Get do ready yourself, to pitch do, a tent. Yeah, do yourself a favor. <laughs> um, second one, probably like watching 
Nick Walker, who won, and Ian Vayer, who got second, um, like, both enjoy the moment together and be, like, teammates and friends as opposed to, like, obviously competitors, but, but you know, supporting each other and stuff like that. That's pretty cool. So I'd say those two kind of tied and just seeing seeing all of those people in general, in person, like up close. Yeah, obviously we follow the sport uh, pretty heavily. Um, you know, it has a vast history, uh, which is amazing in and of itself. Uh, so to be there in person and, and kind of like such a close-knit group, I think for me that was kind of the thing. It wasn't like the big Arnold event that it typically is. Um, so it just felt a little bit more personal because you were, the crowd was smaller. It, there was only 10 athletes in each division. Um, so from that perspective, I think that was just kind of cool because you, it felt like you were actually part of it as opposed to like your attention being drawn in every which direction because there were so much other things happening. Uh, so I think that that was kind of cool for me uh, to see. Uh, and then on a personal level, for me, it was exciting because uh, my coach was there. And so it was nice to meet my coach um, and just kind of put a put his face with his name and, and see him in action with his athletes. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point that I hadn't really thought about. So I was telling my dad about it in that it was probably only 50% capacity in terms of available tickets to attendees but it almost was like a local show right like one that was just not super prestigious but like something that was like a columbus show or whatever but it happened to have the people who are at the top of the sport at it and most of the people who were there there were people who were very clearly like kind of casual fans or very clearly like not really fans at all, and maybe just were there with someone who was a little bit more interested in it. But most of the people who were there uh, were either pretty clearly competitors at some level themselves within physique sport, which obviously you can kind of pick out people when you see them, um, or were were pretty intense fans of the sport. So that's cool to see, um, and I think. I would have to imagine cool for the competitors because of the amount of work that goes in. You have some people there who really uh, can understand and appreciate that as opposed to people who are not uh, terribly interested or maybe just ignorant to what it sort of takes to get you there. So I thought that was cool. I think that uh, my favorite parts were uh, Seeing in the open division, like guys quite literally at the top of the sport and seeing what they look like in person, right? Because you could always view them through the filtered lenses of Instagram or things like that or other or videos on YouTube. Uh, but it's really cool to see those people live and in person and like, okay, so that's what a physique of someone of that in, at that level looks like physically. Um and then beyond that, for me, just being a kind of a having always been a fan of physique sport before I really even knew that I was a fan, I was a fan, um, and well, just generally well put together physiques is uh, was watching the classic division pose. So they're in great shape, um, but it they bring like a piece of history to sort sort of to life. 
Right, so pe- many people aren't necessarily maybe not be aware that the idea of watching people physically perform is anything but new. It is old. Um, and modern sort of physical culture goes back probably, at this point, maybe 120 or 130 years, maybe more. Um, and so those guys carry the torch of that. And the things that they do in many cases are they're bringing things and movements and poses back that aren't regularly practiced anymore. So it's really cool to see, um, especially when you've done, you know, Ryan, I've, have done some, some posing sessions and had people instruct us and stuff like that. And especially when you see what's involved and it's much more difficult than it appears, especially at that level, how good they are at it. So that was really cool to see as the art form. They're almost like Greek statues, but they're alive. And so just sort of an appreciation for the human form and what it takes to get to that that level of conditioning, I thought was really, really cool. Um, yeah, and it was just, it was, for me being a coach, it's fun to watch other coaches. So it's it was fun to watch people who are at the top of that sport, which effectively means they're among the best in the world at it, and watch them instruct their athletes and coach and um, do what they do. It's sort of being like sort of blind and deaf to everything else that's happening around them. I thought that was really fascinating from a coaching perspective. Um, so it's in- intensely enjoyable to go to the show itself. Um, it, but, but those things really stood out to me. Yeah, I think another cool thing uh, were the, like, the different awards that they gave out. Uh, so posing for both divisions, uh, that was kind of interesting on the men's side uh, to see that because we saw some, some men in the open division uh, really, really good posers and others not, not, <laughs> not so much. Um, and then uh, seeing Ronnie Coleman, like that was another amazing kind of thing, just because in in that sport he's legend. I think even just bigger than that. I think like he's one of the few people. He's like a Tom Brady, where like even if you aren't a huge football fan, you know most who that people are like, oh, I know yeah. who. Yeah, I was I was gonna say that was pretty cool too. Yeah, but I think kind of to tie what you both said together some of the men's open guys or what you think of like when you think of like a men's bodybuilder are more about being as muscular as possible and just kind of showing showing that when they pose um and the classic guys are maybe a little bit more about showing doing what they need to do to show a specific strength and hiding certain weaknesses so like one pose may look better on whoever than someone else so like working through their posing routine to show off their strengths and weakness or hide their weaknesses um but to kind of like show that to the audience right whereas obviously the men's guy open guys want to do the same thing um but they're less aesthetic so they're i feel like they're the posing is not overlooked but it isn't the same you're not going to watch the like the art of the posing in the men's open division as you are in classic so it's interesting because the arnold uh unique in terms of competitions 
posing is is awarded or valued more heavily than it is in other things. So normal bodybuilding bodybuilding competition. So if you go to an amateur show, an NPC show, uh, the judges effectively don't watch the posing routines. They may watch just to be respectful or because they're sitting at the table. But I've watched them do this. People go through the routines and they're not scored. Like they're not judged. So it doesn't actually count for anything. And so when we were watching the men's open division, and men's open, if, you, if you're not familiar with, with uh, physique sport, it's exactly what you're thinking of. It's Ronnie Coleman, who, you know, was, it was cool to see him. He's, uh, you know, inarguably the greatest bodybuilder ever. Um, the, th- the guys on the magazines, like that's, that's who that is. Um, they're not really scored at other shows in terms of their posing routine. So it's not something they place a lot of emphasis on because it doesn't actually win them the show. It doesn't change their placing at all. Um, and even last night, it's it's weighted, but not that heavily because the person who won was certainly not the best poser or even close, but it didn't matter um, because it's not really how the sport is judged. It is, however, a performance. So it's cool to see people who truly are performing and even even uh individuals who aren't as good at posing they're still performing they're still playing to the crowd and it was that was fun to watch i think to maybe if you're again if you're unfamiliar uh the open guys are exactly what you think and the the classic guys if you're a guy listening to this are probably a little closer to what you'd like to look like right and so that that's kind of what we say is like the open guys are kind of like the freaks. And this is they. This is they reference themselves in terms of this. And classic physique guys tend to be the physique that people aspire to. It's a little bit less muscular, still extremely muscular, um, but they can fit into like regular clothes. Yeah. So obviously, that's uh, on the men's side. On the women's side, uh, posing is a big part of that. Uh, and it's a big part, especially for bikini, that's all they do is, is, is they go through an individual posing routine and there are comparisons between them. Uh, but fitness was super exciting to see uh, in that there are two parts to fitness and part of that is an individual posing routine where they go through and hit poses that are similar to the figure division. Uh, but then they have an actual uh, like uh, I don't know what you would call routine there. Yeah. But I don't know what else you would call it other than just a routine. Um, but they are required to hit, uh, very specific moves in that. Um, and so, but they are, they're left with a lot of leeway with that. So pushups, uh, handstand holds, uh, some sort of tumbling pass, uh, are things that need to be included in their routine. Uh, and, the top 10 that we saw, or I guess it ended up being top eight that we saw last night, had some very interesting routines. It's like very similar to like the uh, floor event in gymnastics. Yeah, for I'd sure. I'd say like that's probably the easiest way to envision. Obviously, there are things that are included in one and not in the other, but yeah. in terms of like the idea of the performance, because it's a certain time frame to music doing those types of movements yes yeah and i mean we saw some of them were very very flexible and able to like manipulate their bodies in ways that like i've only ever seen in like Cirque du Soleil or something like that um 
it, but just bananas strong. It's it was interesting because it's like a combination of yeah, like a, being a contortionist, a gymnast, and then um, I don't know, just like a, almost like a street performer, really. Yeah, it's it really interesting. It's almost more impressive than like gym, watching gymnastics at the Olympics because you have to also understand that these ladies, these competitors, are dieted down. They are depleted. Like nobody's nobody's uh, dieting real hard in advance of the Olympics, right? In terms of like, because their physiques aren't judged. Um, but that's part of this too. So if you can imagine being like super, super, super depleted, so people can see your like the the definition of your muscularity, and then you have to be super explosive and do all these like wildly athletic things. It's extremely impressive. So yeah, that was cool to watch. Yeah, for sure. For sure, uh, especially on on a pro level, um, just the 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 level of the individual movements that they have to do is just on a complete other level. That I, it, it was just I was in awe watching every single routine that happened. Yeah. So. Uh, what were your least favorite parts? Hmm. I I think for me the the difficult part is obviously bodybuilding in and of itself is like a is a, is subjective, right? It's in the eye of the beholder. Uh, you know, someone's physique compared to somebody else's physique. What you like, what you don't like, and there's obviously criteria that are set for each of the divisions. Um. And so I, I'm intrigued by it, but also didn't like it as much to sit in an audience of a lot of people that maybe had no idea what they were talking about. And but like feeling like they knew everything and this guy's going to win and this girl's going to win. It was like, oh, you you don't really know anything about <laughs> this sport of bodybuilding. <laughs> armchair quarterbacking a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a. Uh, uh, I don't want to say lessened the experience, but it was. It would have been more fun without. It's an interesting thing because it's like sometimes it's very clear and it's a little bit division dependent. It can be very clear who the front runner or front runners are. And then sometimes it's much more nebulous. And I think this is the difficulty sometimes that people have with physique sport is that it is subjective. It is not like football where if you score more points, you win or most sports that are in some way judged that way that it is subjective and the competitors know that and not everybody agrees uh, but it, it interestingly it's sort of what makes it almost more exciting because you really don't actually know how it's going to go until they say who wins like you think you know how it's going to go but there were some surprises like where we had sort of placed people mentally or in our own little side conversations in areas, right? Like who is going to be second in the men's open division and who is going to be third? And they flip-flopped and we're like, oh, okay. And to me, that's very exciting because it's like, okay, well, you, clearly they see 20 different things that I can't see. And it's like, it's not that like, oh, the judges are wrong. It's like, no, I'm wrong. And I, they notice things that I don't notice, that I can't tell. And that's part of the fun of it is like, that's why you're there. It's entertainment. It's like it, to be challenged sort of mentally. I think too, like they are so much closer and we mm. weren't even that far away, but like even the, the like 
pictures that were posted like after the fact that were taken much closer like you can see detail that wasn't apparent from even where we were sitting and it we weren't like super, super far, far away yeah. so that's yeah. kind of yeah. the crazy like you don't like you're like obviously these guys are super conditioned or like wow that person's whatever body part is great but then like you can't there's like stuff that you can't even make out yeah so it's kind of but anyways that's just what i was that could be part of like the judging it's like you don't even we can't see some of this stuff just because you're far so far away yeah yeah and and that's the kind of rhyme or reason of where the judges are placed center stage below them so that they can see kind of all those small details yeah so uh, my favorite, or my least, least favorite, favorite thing yes. was probably, and this isn't even just with like this event or bodybuilding shows in general, but like so many people have their phones out to take pictures and take videos and video the whole thing or video this or take pictures of that. And it's like, then you're missing the actual thing. Like that, it's like very much like a once in a lifetime type of thing in the sense that like sure there's going to be more Arnold classics but like this competitor list or like seeing maybe one competitor in person or whatever it may be and you're like when when are you going to watch that video back again you know what I mean as opposed to just like enjoying the moment then or like when are you going to look at the picture you took from like a hundred yards away that you zoomed in on that you can't like, it's not as good of a picture as, like, the ones that are going to be posted anyways. Like, there's going to be pictures, so why don't you just take it and enjoy it yourself? So I think that kind of just, like, that was probably my least favorite part. But that goes for, like, concerts when people are, like, losing themselves trying to video. But it's, like, what are you taking a video for? Yeah. You can hear, you you can play the song on Spotify. So just, <laughs> so right. just listen to it now. Yeah, there were a lot of people that, like, sat there and watched the show through their phone because they were recording. So, yeah, I agree. that I think that's just a, a cultural thing that I don't know will ever, ever change. Hopefully it does. That's bothered, that's, like, ruffled my feathers for a long time. It seems like it's only getting worse as people are in such a big hurry to show off that they're at an event, like in the its most innocent way or most innocent connotation, it's like so you can watch it later and relive the moment, and like that may or may not be true. What it really is is so you can put it on like Instagram so people can see like that you went to this thing. Like it's just a another form of conspicuous consumption. You can go to this like somewhat exclusive event that's not really exclusive because anybody can buy tickets. And, like, you experience none of it, really, because you have your phone out the whole time. Like, put it in your pocket and just watch. And, like, act like a normal person. So, yeah, I, I dislike that, too. It's like that people, like, lose themselves at, like, fireworks, like, at 4th of July. It's like, what? when are you going to watch the video that you took of fireworks? Never. <laughs> like, you can see, fi- like, go to a baseball game and see fireworks again. Or wait 12 months and you'll see them again. Like... I don't, I don't understand that, but I'm sure someone just got extremely mad about that. Whatever. Turn it off, then. <laughs> oh, boy. What was, what was your least favorite part? Uh, that, I kind of second that. I didn't really have one, honestly. So I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback on the phones out thing. That always makes me shake my head. Um, 
No, I thought it was fine. They ran it nice and quick, so there wasn't like time where you're sitting there. There wasn't like a bazillion competitors in any one division where you're like just kind of dying for it to end. Uh, I thought it was great. Um, So understanding that this is a niche sport and probably always will be and probably and and really is a a fairly misunderstood sport, uh, what takeaways do you think the average person – who's interested in improving their health and fitness can take from physique sport competitors? Oh, uh, I think that they, at the end of the day, are truly the people that like buy into their goal, right? So like to a certain extent, every single person on the planet is like dissatisfied with something about their body. That's just the reality of life. Um, and you, you know, you want to change it. And so people commit to joining a gym or eating healthy or just getting more activity in whatever the case may be. And for these people, their love of the sport is, is truly that is creating art with their bodies, um, and becoming something that no one thinks is like humanly possible. Uh, and so I think, you know, for me as someone who actually competes within the sport and would like to compete at that level, um, it was just really awesome to see these people in that moment, uh, just all of their hard work and what comes from that is just a couple minutes on a stage with other people who've done the exact same thing. And so I think for... For you, the listener, I think if if you want to improve on something in your life, whether it be your health or fitness, if you're listening to this podcast, that's probably it, um, is that, you know, no, no goal is unattainable and nothing is so difficult that you can't stick with it. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I think the takeaway is like there's a lot of uh, a massive thing for us and our clients is consistency and adherence to not only their training plan but also their nutrition plan and I think a lot of people want to or do invent excuses for themselves especially with nutrition or making time for the gym or whatever it may be and I think it's like or like some sort of form of like why I just can't that's I can't do that and it's like well these people are doing it to like are dieting in a much higher and more extreme level um, than you are. So then it's like, why can't you do it? Like you, you can actually say no to the chocolate cake, but you choose not to. You know what I mean? So I think it's just like sometimes people may need to hear like, okay, well, all of these people are doing it, so you also can too, given that your diet is not nearly what theirs is. Yeah, and albeit they, that they are the, you know, professionals in their sport, um, but a lot of them also have other lives. So it's not like this is the only thing that they have and they can spend whatever, 10 hours a day at the gym or, you know, at the grocery store doing all those things. Like a lot of them run businesses. There are people who are physicians and uh, like firefighters. One of them was in the military. Like, so there are all of, they could make all of those excuses and they... They choose not to. The reality is uh, most of them have other jobs. Uh, there's a few at the top. 
in certain divisions who can make a living off of bodybuilding. Uh, most can't. And most do other stuff just like you. Uh, and I think, yeah, that's you guys have sort of touched on what I thought the takeaway is, is that, you know, physique sport, though it is very niche, and it's something that a lot of people sort of um, either turn a blind eye to or have a little bit of a negative opinion of, whether it's because of PED use or, how, you know, how big open division bodybuilders are. They just look at it and be like, well, I don't want to look like that, so I just won't pay any attention to it. Um, or think that it has no connection to you. And the reality is, is it's probably the sport out of all of them that is the most connected to you because it is the closest to what you actually do. Um, and even if you're listening to this and you're involved with something like competitive CrossFit or competitive powerlifting or competitive weightlifting, I have some unfortunate news for you is that Father Time will put an end to that venture sooner or later. You will not do that forever because you won't be able to because it will break you. There's a reason that people compete in those things. Who The people who do compete are relatively young. Um, and so what you end up doing on a long enough timeline is kind of training like people who train for a physique sport. You do hypertrophy movements and you watch your diet and that's it. And so it's actually much more similar to, to all of our clients and, and effectively everyone we come in contact with, um, and you, the listener, than, than you might think. They just dial it up a little bit. Um, so the lesson you can take, as I think what Rye said, is, is the idea of being disciplined toward a goal. Um, not for money, not for sponsorships, not for, because you're going to get up on stage in your underwear and pose for people who you don't know. But for yourself and for where you want to go with your health and your vitality and, frankly, your physique. Because everybody listen, listening to this has physique goals, period. You know you do. You don't have to yell them back into the radio. But, like, you do. You, there's a way you want to look. And my guess is you don't look exactly that way right now. So sometimes the way we can get there is by understanding the people who are the best at doing that. And it's not because we want to emulate them, but it's because we want to learn from them to make our own journey a little bit easier and a little bit more feasible. You know, and frankly, if if you are interested in physique sport, I'd encourage you to, to check some of these people out. Like check out Missy Trescott. She's unbelievable. She was the she won the fitness division. Check out Logan Franklin or Terrence Ruffin. They're unbelievable at what they do. Like they're the best in the world. And just like it's cool to watch to go to the symphony. And watch a virtuoso. Watch the people who are the best in the world do something. Or watch football, right? And watch Tom Brady. And watch somebody who's who's maybe the best ever at doing something. It's cool to watch. It's cool to watch these people too. Even to just appreciate their their craft and how they perfect it. So I think that was that's my I think broad applicability takeaway. Yeah, uh, it's these people are more like us than what we realize um, that they're just the pros in the game. Round the horn, finish it up, speed round. Uh, favorite competitor that you saw yesterday? Oh, good question. I was going to ask the same thing. You have to go. Are you going to go first? I, I don't remember what his name was. What the guy that I like thought just did amazing in terms of posing. Oh, Sergio Oliva. Jr. No. 
Not the, the guy, the one. Guy. The classic guy that Jer- had like oh, the pink hair and Jarek Cruz. Yeah, he his movement like I I was speechless watching him do that. It was beautiful. It was like a dance on stage showing his physique. It he, was He's a great poser. It was it was amazing. So him, he he was great. Probably like no name. I think he got last. He didn't get last. No, he was like he uh Seventh or eighth, maybe he just got outside a little bit. So he was, yeah, he was a, in the a, bottom. A, 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 not at like a, that, like a biggest neighborhood show. Yeah, yeah, no, biggest, I know. Second biggest bodybuilding show. He just yeah. got a little bit outside. So that's the thing is, you can be a great poser. Yeah. He just wasn't uh, quite. He didn't carry as much muscle as some of the other guys yeah. for his frame. And uh, classic is interesting because it's a weight class based. So it's based on your height, um, how much you can weigh going into the competition. But yeah, he's. I bet. Uh, we won't see the last of that guy. He's, no, I he's hope not. A great competitor. Yeah. Uh, so oof, I don't know. Can I give a one and one A, or do I have to pick one? You can go one and How one. How about we'll do one I'll and do, two? Yeah, yeah. I have ours are going to be real close. If yeah, not the same. One and two. Yeah. All right. So my favorite always is Terrence Reffin. Uh, Terrence Reffin is probably the best poser in the world. Although Logan Franklin's a really good poser too. Um, Ter- Terrence Reffin is just so aesthetic. And he has like a almost like a perfect physique, and he's also really cool because he's, you know, our height. He's five foot five, and all is everybody in the competition is bigger than him, but he carries as much muscle as he can, and he's so good at posing that he won um, against people who are you know physically much larger. So he was a favorite, um, and then I, I Nick Walker's hard not to like. Um, so he would maybe be my my two one, and then Logan Franklin t- certainly. <laughs> so I'm just gonna I'll, I'll, I'll give you a top three. number one. Your top three. There yeah, you go. Mine, All right, top three. Mine are effectively the same. Pray Terrence Ruffin for the same reasons, and like having listened to like interviews with him and stuff, he just like seems like a nice guy and just like enjoys what he does. Yeah. So you kind of just can like him from that um and he's like just does exactly what classic physique is and i think fits the division really well and everyone likes him he's like just the way he presents himself and everything and then i'd say same thing with nick walker just because he's like crazy to look at and just like kind of a swagger and just he doesn't doesn't really care what anyone else thinks and just does his thing can I give one more? Oh, I'm sorry. It's your Jeez, turn. I'm so sorry. I just had a lightning strike. Sorry, I'll go after you. My apologies. Go ahead. It's your turn. Uh, so on the lady side of things, I really liked uh, Oksana. She was the fitness competitor that did the Joker routine. Yeah. She, first of all, is amazing just to look at. Like, Goals. She it was amazing, but then again, like that fitness routine, what she was able to do in terms of like contorting her body and the strength that she had to hold some of those handstands and one arm push ups, it was just yeah amazing. Look up her routine. She came in second. Uh, so if you we can, she has a bananas long last name. She's it's, from she's Russian. It's Grish Grishna. G R I S H I N A. All right. Well, just just find that on the gram. She's an unbelievable performer. Unbelievable physique. Yeah. She did. She did a great job. It was. It was awesome. 
So also, maybe my favorite moment, it was very, very brief. It, there's a picture of it I saw on the gram today, uh, but I think most people missed it. I think you actually guys kind of missed it a little bit. Uh, was So Sergio Oliva Jr., who is an open division bodybuilder, hadn't competed for a while and came back and, and got sixth, but was by far, and he won the award for it, the best poser of the open division. And so the cool thing is his dad was Mr. Olympia, I think twice, once in maybe 1970 and like 68 and 70 before the Arnold Schwarzenegger era, but had was one of the few people who beat Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it was an amazing poser and was really ahead of his time in terms of how much muscle he carried at the time. And still, has, there's pictures of him posing. So there's two poses. One's called the victory pose and one's called the crucifix pose. You really don't see because guys literally don't carry enough muscle to like pull it off. Like they can't make it look right. And so when Sergio Oliva won, Sergio Oliva Jr. won the best poser award, the first thing he did was the victory pose, which is an iconic thing that his dad did. So I, And his dad died. Uh, so I thought that was super cool. I think it's cool that he competes anyway. That's same like Hunter and Lee Labrada, uh, like father, son who do it, uh, or, you know, father did do it and son does it now. Really, really cool. So yeah, if you look it up, you'll see him doing what's called the victory pose, which is like arms straight in the air, hands turned out really awesome. And that was just like a, being a history nerd. That was, a like a special moment just to see. Yeah. Because, like, like, because that's what his dad did. Yeah. Uh, isn't that what the Lee Priest poster is? Yeah. So yeah, if you're an in-person client, <laughs> Lee, yeah. Priest, Lee Priest is hitting the victory pose at the gym. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so that that was cool. And uh, so that he did that after he received the award for best poser. And they asked him to hit hit a pose. He just did that. For a picture. And that, was, and that was it. Yeah. yeah. It was it was a moment where I, I you're right I was not looking at stage but I was looking at you and in that moment like you could see the excitement in your face, so I had no idea what happened but knew it was pretty cool so it was uh, awesome to hear why yeah. why you had the reaction that you did yeah for sure I think Ryan I I mean a lot of people are just like us but have an appreciation for those poses that you see in the old like Arnold's Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding like the crucifix pose. Or the mantis pose, or these things that these guys always used to do, um, but you just don't see very much in in kind of mainstream bodybuilding anymore. Yeah. Do you think that's a viable goal for people to to do a show in terms of their fitness goals? This is my last around the horn thing Ooh. that we're just going to get into. It's going to take us twenty minutes. To <laughs> uh, I would say that's hard um, for most people, like general health and fitness, like longevity longevity is what they're after um and so a lot of people i don't know have the discipline or the commitment to do what is required to step on stage um even at like a local level uh even if you do a smaller show which that i did my very first show was a super small show and then i did a natural show um they're still quite a bit of people that step on those stages and um you can tell the people that put in the work and you can tell the people that didn't um so i guess that really depends like why is what is your reasoning for wanting to step on stage is it just to check a box to say you did it 
and you don't really care like how you compare to others um, or if you really want to like step on stage because you want to show that you're dedicated and committed to bringing your physique to the best that it can be uh, at that moment in time. That's a good answer. I'd say yes. Uh, basically anyone could. It's physically possible. I'd say that almost everyone or a huge swath of that percentage uh, isn't mentally there. So I'd, So yes, it's possible, but I'd say a lot of people aren't in the right mindset to do it. Successfully. I agree with both of you. I think anyone can. It is probably among the most approachable of sports because uh, there aren't really barriers to entry, right? Like you just sign up, pay the money, get your tan, buy, buy a posing suit, and you're in. Uh, but the reality is, and we've seen them, obviously, at, at, at local shows and things like that, amateur shows, is it's it's pretty easy to go there and make an ass out of yourself if you're not actually prepared if you're not in shape things like that obviously you can still participate but um that could be a, a kind of an embarrassing situation so i think anybody can do it i think the reality is is it's among the hardest of sports and it's not it's because you have to train obviously hard uh, and there are plenty of sports that require hard training many if not most but there were the the nutrition and the way that you have to for at least for a little while uh bend your lifestyle completely around it, I think is probably what knocks most people out. I think there's plenty of people who are willing to, to train hard and relatively consistently. I think the diet thing is um, what would make it, what is, is a bigger barrier to entry. At the same time, I could see it as being a viable goal in the long term for anyone. The reality is, is even to prep for a show, you have to be at a certain level of body fat um, so you can hit your show level uh reasonably safely um but i think that it's it, even if it's something where it's a goal where you're looking potentially years in the future uh is is a viable one and we were talking about that you know frankly with me last night it's like when if that if and when that time comes what does that look like and the reality is even with having nutrition uh in a in a, in a pretty dialed in spot and and certainly training in a, in a dialed-in spot, it's it's a year's game. Because the idea is not to go and get the shit beat out of you and get sent to the side. It's to go and win. So you have to just have respect for the sport, just like any sport, and understand that that takes time. Yeah, for sure. All right. All right. Check out bodybuilding. It's real fun. Get, <laughs> yourself, so. get yourself into it. Why not? It's like Doritos. It's a little guilty pleasure for you. There you go.